You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. I am so excited to welcome Dr. Alina Oltianu back on the show. Thank you for having me, Erin. I think this is the third time that you've been on the show. So because it's been a little while, I want to read some information about Dr. Altiano. It's great information because I want you guys to understand where she's coming from when we have this conversation about kids and anxiety and everything that that entails. And she is the founder and president of Whole Child Pediatrics of North Texas. She is the only pediatrician in the DFW area trained through the prestigious Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine founded by Dr. Andrew Weil. She's board certified in pediatrics, but also she's an integrate, she's certified in integrative medicine through the American Board of Physician Specialties and the American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine. She also holds a PhD in chemistry from the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. She did her pediatric residency at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, and she received her medical medical degree from a university in a city that I cannot name in <laughs> Romania. <laughs> I cannot say that word, but she has extensive knowledge about herbs, supplements, homeopathy, aromatherapy, functional medicine, energy medicine, mind, body medicine, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, which she practices in combination with traditional allopathic medicine. And that's what integrative medicine is. If you are not familiar with that, and we can even maybe talk about that a little bit because it is important. Um, Dr. Alina realizes that the current medical system is imperfect and it often fails patients by its focus on disease management rather than health promotion and disease prevention. And so I could go on and on and talk about what she believes, but I think we're going to get to that more on this show, but I'm just, I'm so excited to have you back on because I think this is an important topic. Thank you, Erin. Just a couple of words of integrated, about integrative medicine. Yeah. I call it really good medicine. Um, and it combines Western traditional medicine with what was previously considered um, complementary or alternative medicine, but nowadays has a lot of science behind it. And I like to practice medicine that has science behind it, recognizing that some things in medicine we can't quantify or they're harder to study. Um, but as much as possible, we want to every treatment to be backed up by science. And especially with children, we want it to be safe and uh, without any side effects. So I try as much as possible to make sure that every treatment that I prescribe um, works and it doesn't have side effects. I have huge respect for modern medicine. I think uh, we wouldn't be where we are today without antibiotics mm -hmm. um, and um, without breathing treatments for, for my um, kids with asthma. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also seeing a trend of a lot of chronic conditions in children, anything from asthma, allergies, eczema, and unfortunately, a lot of mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. When I became a pediatrician, um, gosh, way too long ago, when I think <laughs> about it, I don't know how time flies. So <laughs> when I became a pediatrician, I wasn't really thinking of going into mental health. 
um, I wasn't seeing that many children that mm. have behavior and mental health conditions, but the trend in the last 10, 15 years is to see more and more children with neurodevelopmental disorders, any, anything from autism, ADHD, but also a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So that, that's what I want to talk about today, about anxiety, mm -hmm. um, because the pandemic has exacerbated an um, already concerning trend of um, high number of children with anxiety. And um, this is not just teenagers, but school-age children and um, even toddlers, um, they do have symptoms of anxiety. And one thing that I tell parents is that your child is not gonna come to you and is, is gonna tell you, mom, I have anxiety or mom, I, I'm stressed out. They're gonna act it out and they're gonna act it out through their behaviors and through their physical symptoms. Yes. And can you give an example of what that would look like in a toddler or a young child? Um, so in younger children, you're going to see anything from sleeping issues, um, becoming more clingy, refusing to try new things, to go to new places, to meet new people, crying when they have to go to school. Um, but I'm also seeing a lot of um, sensory processing disorder. So mm. everything bothers them. So a lot of these children are just really sensitive. Um, they're also really what I call them overreactive. So e every little thing kind of sets them off. Um, and although for toddlers, for example, it's okay to have some temper tantrums, I'm <laughs> seeing more and more of this extreme temper tantrums that children have a really hard time calming themselves down or just um, getting over frustrations um, easily. Or when parents say no, they have a, a huge temper tantrum. And um, so this is in younger children. In um, older children, school-age children or um, adolescents, again, I see sleep difficulties mm. and um, sometimes parents don't put two and two together. They may think that, I don't know, the child just doesn't sleep well and he needs some melatonin. <laughs> but um, eventually they kind of realize, oh, maybe they're not sleeping well since school started. Mm -hmm. um, and sleep is a complex issue, but a lot of kids with anxiety do have sleep issues. Um, they refuse to go to school. They refuse to try new things. Um, they're becoming more withdrawn or crying, whining, um, developing all kinds of phobias and then more extreme OCD-like um, behaviors. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's, it's so good to be aware of those things, especially the sleep, because I think that even for kids, maybe who seem to go to sleep, seem like they're fine. I don't know if there are a lot of anxious children are not getting or sensitive kids too, are, are not getting restful sleep, you know? And I feel that as an adult, there are times in my life when I'm just a little more dysregulated <laughs> than usual. And I just know I'm not actually, my body's not repairing during the night. And so I wake up feeling tired and I wake up feeling like, well, wait a minute, what was I doing for all those hours if I wasn't sleeping? And I think that that happens with our kids, but it's, we're just like, oh, it's, you know, like you said, I'll oh, just give them melatonin. It'll be fine. Or, oh, just give them whatever. I, I once um, 
long, long ago, a pediatrician told me, just give him Benadryl. It'll be fine. <laughs> so it's like, well, maybe the sleep issue or the, the issue, that the whole thing is telling us something about an underlying dysregulated brain, you know, um, something else that's not right. Yes, exactly. Um, so when parents come to me with a concern of anxiety, um, as a physician, first, I want to make sure that there's not an underlying medical condition. So um, we have to make sure that we're not missing things like thyroid problems or anemia. Mm. Um, we're learning now more and more about vitamin D and how it's linked to a lot of uh, mental health and behavior health conditions. Yeah, A lot of my, my children are really low in vitamin D for mm. various reasons, not spending enough time outside using a lot of sunscreen even if they're outside um so first of all we have to go back to the basics and rule out like common medical conditions that could present as anxiety but if everything is is normal one thing that i like to address with the parents and maybe it's not the first thing because it's a sensitive topic but what I've noticed is that I haven't met an anxious child yet that does not have either an anxious parent or a parent that is under a tremendous amount of stress. And unfortunately, the last two years, I don't know anyone who hasn't been <laughs> under stress. Yeah, that is so true. I feel that so much personally, and I definitely want to get more into the topic of parents managing stress. But before we do, I want to stop and thank our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Native. For most people, the new year means rethinking how they take care of themselves, you know, setting new resolutions or wanting to work out more or have better skincare routines. Well, Native makes it easy to switch to a personal care brand that makes all their products with simple ingredients. Native cares about the products you put in your body. They're all about stopping the stink the right way. That's the Native difference. Native's coconut and vanilla scented aluminum free deodorant has been a customer favorite for years. I've loved it myself for many years, and now Native is on a mission to overhaul your entire hygiene routine. They create products that are made with simple ingredients like shea butter and coconut oil, so you can smell great all day long. Native deodorant checks a lot of boxes. Aluminum-free, 24-hour odor protection, zero residue on skin application, and over 10 scents to choose from. Now is the time to treat yourself with Native. If you visit their site, you'll find not just deodorant, but body wash, bar soap, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner, and sunscreen. Everything you need to take your self-care to the next level. This year, up your personal hygiene routine with Native. Go to nativedo.com spark or use promo code spark at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com spark or use promo code spark at checkout for 20% off your first order order. You guys are going to love it. Like I said, I've been using Native for years and it is definitely part of my daily routine. Now, Dr. Oltiano, getting back to this topic of parents and stress, I know this is going to be hard for some parents to hear, but I really, really think this is important. So I'd love to get more into how does our stress as parents impact our kids? So it, it really depends on the parents how much they're able to manage their own stress and their own anxiety to help their children. 
because everything that I'm going to mention from now on, it's it's only going to be a little bandaid if the if we don't address parental stress. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying this to make moms and dads even more worried about the role they're playing in, in their children's mental health, but to empower them because parents can become the best therapists. And it's so wonderful to see um, families as they're getting their stress under control and they're getting better, um, their children are getting better. Yeah, Uh, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because this is where, you know, on this podcast, we talk about most of the episodes are are for adults, you know, or for many times females um, dealing with chronic health conditions. We talk a lot about stress. The episodes about kids are few and far between but it really does tie together well, because like you said, I know for me, when I am feeling stressed, when I am, you know, whether it's momentary or it's something that's kind of ongoing, I notice a difference in my kids' behavior. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, it's frustrating because I'll be like, well, why are they acting this way? And then I have to pause and go, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) They're picking up on what's going on with me. And a lot of thing, a lot of the time, what I, what I tell people is that you can't, play defense with stress. You can't wait and try to manage stress after you're already stressed. Like it, it, that it just, it's a lot harder. So we have to get ahead of it and start planning. I mean, my big thing right now is planning. Okay. Where am I overcommitting? Cause I'll overcommit. My kids feel that when I'm overcommitting, when we're doing a lot of activities and I've got a lot of deadlines that I, you know, a lot of times I've place on myself because I work for myself, you know, when I'm doing all of that, my kids don't get time with me and they feel it, you know, and they get whiny and they throw fits and they don't sleep well at night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why can't you just behave? And then I realize it's about me and what I'm doing. And so I think that this is everything that you're saying. I I just want to reiterate for parents that we have hard we have a lot of stuff going on right now and it's not easy. And I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. I'm not saying I'm doing it wrong. We're all doing the best we can with what we have, but I think that we can, there are things that we can do that's going to make life easier for us. That's going to positively impact our kids too. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, self-care looks different for different people. Mm -hmm. I think it's becoming this um, catchphrase, but (laughs) I think what it really means is to create a life that um, allows for downtime, Mm -hmm. allows for moments of just quiet and peace and um, allows moms and dads to recharge. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, for some families, it may mean, like you said, fewer activities or fewer commitments. Um, It may mean more sleep. Um, mm-hmm. or, uh, it, it, it may mean, um, more walks together as a family or more meals together, uh, mm-hmm. more fun times, anything from, um, board games or just bike riding together. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be anything extreme, um, but it can be yoga and meditation and, and exercise. Um, it doesn't have to be therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not every, not every family that has a anxious child needs to do a therapy. I mean, everybody has a different degree of severity, um, sometimes therapy is needed. 
Mm-hmm. And it, um, every child that has any kind of behavior, health, mental health, mood disorder, I think needs family therapy. Mm-hmm. Because as I said, uh, when there's a child with any kind of um, anxiety disorder, we have to address the anxiety and stress of the entire family. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Because it does. It- because it does affect the entire family and it all, I mean, we all kind of feed off of each other's levels of anxiety. I think that that's really important. I love how you talked about eating more meals together. I think that, so I recently read this book. I don't know if you've read it. We haven't talked about this, but I am obsessed. It's 10 years old. It's called the slowdown diet. I don't know if you've heard of it. So the guy who wrote it, he's the founder of the Institute for the psychology of eating. And what I love about it is it's, called has the word diet in it, but it is not a diet. It's really just about learning to appreciate food and mealtime and breathing while you're eating and chewing more. We eat. And I, I, this not necessarily we talking about myself because we do try to be intentional about this, but I know most families you eat in the car, you know, on the way to a practice or a game or, and we have our moments of that too. So it's like, how do we find that balance of Mm -hmm. sitting down, enjoying a meal, like, like they do in the blue zones, you know, where it's like really good, colorful food, Mm -hmm. but taking the time and it's not just this rushed, let's eat. And then we got to go into the next thing. So do you see that as maybe something that's needed that isn't really happening for all people? Absolutely. I feel we live in the society that we're constantly on the go. Mm-hmm. And um, it's good to have scheduled meals, but sometimes I think um, kids' schedule or s- schedules are so tight that they don't have time to eat. They're um, getting up a little bit later, so they have to rush out of the door and they grab maybe a muffin or a pancake or a <laughs> protein bar, um, which is not real food. And then um, at school, they have to eat during lunchtime, but they're stressed out because they're thinking about their their next uh, class. And then they're coming home and they have other activities scheduled. Um, And then at dinner time, everybody's upset or stressed or there's something going on. So Mm -hmm. I, I like your saying that uh, body and stress doesn't digest, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but I, I feel that's that's how most of us are going through mm-hmm. the day. We're mostly in the stress um, mode, and we're not really thinking about food as a moment to just sit down and just enjoy it, mm-hmm. and just to take a break. <laughs> and breathe. And we don't have to live in that fast pace all the time. And I kind of wonder too, and I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm feeling this as a parent and as a health coach and with the people I work with, we had that time of shutdown with COVID, right? Where it's like everybody had time at home and we were hanging out and for a while, like it, it was hard, but it was kind of fun. But then real life hit in full force. And I feel like I, I can't keep up. And I think this is how life was before, but it feels so different going from nothing to full force life. And I wonder for our kids, if they're picking up on that as well. Yes. I've noticed that too. I think as a society, we're trying to play catch up. We're Mm. trying to to do even more than we did before. And um, kids, kids are doing the same. Mm. Um, So what I like to try to 
tell, especially teenagers who don't have breakfast, it's like wake up 15 minutes earlier and um, keep in mind that you need some protein, you need some fiber, not just carbohydrates um, because you're going to get hungry in two, two hours and then they're not going to be able to focus, they're not going to be able to learn. Um, I also have a lot of athletes that um, it, I think they're lucky because they're teenagers and their bodies are a little bit more forgiving but eventually <laughs> eventually it's going to catch up with them but they have to eat extra um yeah. athlete has to be even uh, more careful with um with their diet um so i try to to suggest simple changes like baby steps because if if um, somebody's trying to make too many changes um, at once they're going to give up um, so my um, focus on diet is the anti-inflammatory diet because mm -hmm. a lot of chronic conditions have inflammation yep. um, as the root cause. And um, it's, it's really simple. It means eliminate the bad stuff and add more of the good stuff. So the bad stuff is processed food. So we can have a whole conversation about what processed food is, but if you eliminate at least things that are really bright and colorful that should not belong in the food, like um, a red dye, blue dye, dye. Um, and um, if you read the labels and you don't recognize some of the names, mm -hmm. um, like any of the preservatives, um, carrageenan is a filler that it's really bad for gut health. Um, any added sugar, um, that, that's processed food. Um, and add more of the good stuff, vegetables and fruits and um, meat, fish, nuts and seeds, eggs, um, like what I call normal food. Right. <laughs> well, and it's food in the state that our, that our bodies can digest and absorb it. You know, I mean, I think, gosh, what was I reading about? Um, oh, it was one of the gums, uh, cellulose gum, or some of these, you know, some of these fillers, um, preservatives, mm -hmm. these things that help bulk up our processed foods and, and what it does to our gut. And, and it really makes it really hard for our intestines too. We've got to absorb nutrients there. We've got to assimilate. We've got to, you know, create beneficial bacteria and short chain fatty acids. And there are all these things that need to happen at the gut level. But if we're bogged down by all of this stuff that isn't really, I mean, even if we're looking at things like margarine, um, vegetable oils, it's not safe for human consumption. you know, it wasn't really intended to be a food. And so just going back to nature, I think is huge. Now we are coming out of, and when we're recording this, we're, we're right in the middle of it, of the holiday season where mm -hmm. we've got the red dye candy canes and we've got, you know, I just went, came home from one of my kids' Christmas parties. And it's like, it's a food free for all for kids. Mm -hmm. How is this impacting anxiety yeah. and sleep and mood issues in kids? Yes. Um, so their schedule is off anyway, and kids mm -hmm. thrive on routines. Mm -hmm. um, they're also sensory overstimulated with all the parties and the glitter and the lights um, <laughs> and, um, and the fun activities. And then you add food that's processed, that's considered trendy because, but it's most of the holiday food is not healthy food. Um, so I'm not saying don't have it at all. Just, I remind people that Thanksgiving is a day or two. Christmas is a day or two. Mm -hmm. So 
is just have it in limited amounts and then add a lot of healthier foods before and after. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the kids get constipated during the holiday season. Yeah. So early January, um, I'm seeing a lot of constipated kids that traveling, not enough water, um, lots of sugar, not enough fiber. Uh, and it's not fun at all. So we're learning so much now about the gut-brain connection. So everything that's going on in our gut, it's reflected in our um, mood and brain health, mm -hmm. um, in our skin too. So I'm seeing um, on a side note, a lot of kids with eczema most yeah. have gut health issues. Um, but the gut makes a lot of serotonin, um, a lot of happy neurotransmitters. Um, and if we're in stress, we're already shutting down the blood supply to our digestive system because mm -hmm. body doesn't consider digestion as an essential part of your body when you're about to, to get killed by a tiger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to run, so you need blood to your muscles. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're adding all this processed food that disrupts the friendly bacteria that helps with digestion, our gut microbiome. Um, and then we're not adding the kind of foods that feeds the gut microbiome, mm -hmm. like fiber and, um, and vegetables and, and, and beans, um, things like that. Um, so not everybody needs to take supplements. Not everybody needs to take probiotics. Ideally, I would not have any of my kids on any supplements. <laughs> <laughs> but temporarily, until we improve their gut health, we improve their nutritional status, we decrease their inflammation, um, I think some kids would benefit of um, some supplements. So my favorite supplement for... Um, anxiety is magnesium. Mm, yeah. And, um, what's, really, what's really interesting, a lot of um, anxious kids are also constipated. So magnesium, especially magnesium citrate, um, helps with constipation. So you solve two problems with one supplement. Magnesium helps kids sleep. It helps them relax. Um, it's recommended for headaches prevention mm -hmm. and a lot of kids are deficient because they're not eating enough vegetables and then some of the vegetables are grown in soils that are not enriched yeah. with magnesium yeah um, other supplements that i like for kids with anxiety is a multivitamin especially if they're not eating vegetables and um, omega-3 um, and then if they have any kind of gut issues, and most of them do, <laughs> until they start eating better um, probiotics. Yeah, that's, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned magnesium. I find it fascinating that many adults don't know about the benefits yeah. of magnesium. And I will see people who are struggling with, you know, irregular bowel movements, mm -hmm. um, migraines, hormonal issues, and anxiety. And I'm like, well, you know, I bet just taking magnesium would help with, you know, maybe all of those things, depending, I know it's even beneficial for menstrual cramps. And I didn't know that for a long time. I feel like magnesium is kind of just this wonder supplement, but we truly, like you said, the soil is deficient and we're just not getting it the way we used to. And, you know, I mean, I can eat all the kale and leafy greens in the world, but it, 
it might not be the same amount as if I was going to have it 50 years ago or or hundred years ago or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's, that's important. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, and you mentioned going back to thinking about when you were talking about eczema popping up, that is when my kid's skin starts showing that, well, my, my skin as well, when I start seeing skin issues pop up, I'm like, okay, if it's coming on the outside <laughs> now, we got to think about what's actually happening on the inside, because that's an alert. And I, and I think that's important for parents to see too, that all these things we're talking about they're not necessarily just a diagnosis. These are alert signals that there's something else going on that, that we need to look at supporting. And I think that's what you do very well is going, okay, well, I see this happening and this happening. How can we support that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different pieces of this puzzles that have to be put in place. So I Mm -hmm. see health as a multidimensional puzzle and all the pieces have to be in place for somebody to feel good. Mm -hmm. And um, with um, anxiety, we talked about parenting and diet and stress management. Um, Sleep is really important for kids. Um, Playing outside plays a huge role. Physical Mm -hmm. activity is huge in um, um, mental health. And then last but not least in this time, screen time. So screen, the amount of screen time kids have been exposed is just unbelievable in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And um, because so many kids have done online school for for months at that time, and then there wasn't much to do outside. So then they added their video games, which are very addictive and the kids mm-hmm. who are prone to anxiety and just sensitive kids, they're also more prone to screen addiction. So mm-hmm. we have to take a really close look at um, kids' screen time, especially if they're presenting with um, anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about these, these video games you mentioned, what do they do for the nervous system and for the brain? So I, I read something that I really like. They're offering um, trashy dopamine. So Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yes. So it's like the junk dopamine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just really exciting for the brain. And then um, so dopamine makes you feel alive and mm-hmm. kind of alert. And we all need it. I mean, all these neurotransmitters, they play a role in certain amounts in certain parts of the brain. But what they're doing with this video games, they're just offering this constant pulses of dopamine that is just junk food for the brain. And then the kids get um, addicted to it. So that's why when you have a teenager that throws this huge temper tantrum, when you try to take their video games away, it's a huge red flag. Mm. Yeah, that is huge. I'm so glad the junk dopamine. That's true. I mean, I feel that with my phone. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I feel that when I'm scrolling, there are times. Yes. I'm just, I just start scrolling, scrolling. I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) what is happening? This is a problem. Like that's when I catch myself and go, okay, I need a break from the phone, but that's part of the problem, right? Is kids are just doing what's been modeled for them. And we see parents, we're always on our phones. And so what do our kids think? Well, this is just, this is what I got to have a screen in my face. This is just what we do. Isn't that crazy. 
Yes, we're trying to escape from from something, from something that's stressful, uncomfortable, painful. So when we try to take something away from kids, we have to put something healthier in place. So when you try to take your child's screen time away, try to do something as a family, try to go for bike rides. Um, and it's going to yeah. be hard at first. There's going to be a, a lot of moaning and whining, but eventually they're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, again, I think for parents, we don't play enough. We don't take time mm-hmm. for those kinds of activities either. Cause again, it's like, Oh, I got to do this and I got to do this. And I have this meeting here. And, and so even doing that, I think it it's beneficial for everybody's mental health, taking some time to do something fun. Yes. Yeah. I think you posted not too long ago that you're making time to read. That oh yeah. That's time. Yep. I have, that's my look forward to on the weekend. I have to read. And what's fun is my, my eight-year-old now he's old enough where he can, he does that too, you know? And it's like, that's my, I've got to have something to look forward to. That's important for me. And I have to have something where I am not on a screen. And I even recently, so my husband just got certified in EMDR. It's a trauma therapy. I don't know if you're familiar with it. (laughs) He said that what popped up when he was in his training is that reading because it crosses your, your eyes are going back and forth, similar to EMDR. There is kind of a healing therapeutic benefit in just that mm-hmm. eye movement. And I thought that's so interesting. I'd never, but yeah, that's absolutely, that's therapy for me. And that's something that I plan on the weekends. I take a few hours. I'm, I'm just going to read, you know, and it gets me off my phone. It gets me, I mean, and my kids know, and they, you know, walk around me or they stop and talk, or my little one will ask me, what are you reading? <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard because I am on my phone a lot, like everything's on my phone, you know? And so that's a battle that I'm constantly waging with myself and my family. Yes. Yeah. We, we have to model behaviors, as you said, and teach children to use technology wisely and not let technology use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, back to anxiety, um, my approach to supplements for in general, but also for anxiety is, um, you have to have plan. Now, supplements are so easily available mm-hmm. that um, parents read a lot and um, they, they think, okay, let's do magnesium or let's do chamomile or let's do lenobol. And then mm-hmm. they throw all the supplements at, at the kids and the kids are not getting better. Um, but I think in terms of supplements, we have to have a plan. We have to have a very rigorous plan the same way we have with prescription medications because childhood should be a pill-free time. Um, kids should not be on, yeah. on a magnesium or on a probiotic supplement for 10 years at that time. Um, so that's why it's really important to work with a um, practitioner that is knowledgeable mm-hmm. in integrative medicine approaches because everything has to have structure and has to have a logic and it has to have an end point. Um, the same way with prescription medication, even if we start um, medication for anxiety, it's not for five or 10 years, hopefully with kids, it should be short term and we should have therapy goals. Yeah. Um, so um, I think it's really easy to 
just go to the supplement store and um, and and buy one more supplement, one more B vitamin. Um, <laughs> but um, it has to be done in a in a logical way. Yeah, well, and I think supplements. I, that's a good point. It's like medication; it's not going to work the same way for everybody, and so it also needs to be individualized. You know, so what works well for one kid. Mm-hmm isn't going to work well for another. I, um, my eight-year-old spent the night at a friend's house where her son gets melatonin every night before bed. And so he told my friend's mom or his friend's mom, (laughs) he's like, yeah, oh yeah, I've had melatonin before. No problem. I can handle it. Well, he had, he hasn't, (laughs) and he had horrible nightmares, horrible. Whereas her kid takes it. He's fine. My kid woke up and was up for an hour. The poor mom had to lay by him like the rest of the night, you know? So it's like, I mean, it's, it's so hard because yeah, my, my Roman is like, Oh yeah, I take supplements. No problem. But that kind of a thing, it has to be individualized. We don't know how, how different kids are going to respond to different things. Even supplements can have side effects. Yes, that's important. Um, So tell me, you know, let's have, let's talk a little bit about the medication conversation, because that's controversial. How do you handle that? If you have a parent coming in and saying, you know, my kid has anxiety, I want, I want to try this medication with them. What do you do? I try to put things into perspective that a medication cannot solve all the problems. And I, I, I explain the puzzle um, approach that is just one piece of the puzzle and uh, kids are not going to get better just because we put them on the medication now the way I, I think about medication sometimes when things are really bad is like the ana- analogy of a broken leg so if you have a broken leg you need to put a cast on it for a while until that bone heals and then you can start doing physical therapy Um, So sometimes we do have to do medication. It's the equivalent of that cast, Mm -hmm. Um, but they have side effects. So we have to be aware of that and um, be prepared to deal with the side effects and be proactive uh, in recognizing them. Um, And we have to have a plan of putting other systems in place like lifestyle changes, diet, supplements, therapy, to make sure that at some point we're able to um, taper off the medication. Recently, I also studied to do more, um, pharmacogenetic testing. Um, Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So there are different companies that do saliva testing and, um, they can look at what medication may react better with a particular genetic background. And um, some kids may need lower doses of a certain medication. Some kids may need higher doses. So instead of doing a lot of trial and error, uh, we're, we're decreasing, we're minimizing that process of trial and error. And, I uh, love that. That's just as a, as a quick aside, because I, mm-hmm. I, want you, I want you to talk more about this because I think that's so helpful. Mm-hmm. I wish that was around 20 years ago, you know, or, or longer, because when I first started getting you know, playing the medication game, I would be put on things that would give me, I would start seeing things hallucinating. Or Mm -hmm. at one point, I think it was, um, Seroquel made the whole half of my face go like almost like a palsy effect. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I couldn't move it, could not move one Mm -hmm. half of my face. I mean, it was the craziest ride and it was not helpful. And I know had I done some of that testing, it would have made a lot more sense. So what kind of things are, 
are, um, are being tested? So it's mainly SNPs. So those small mutations, um, you know, they're small, but they can have a big impact mm -hmm. on um, how we metabolize certain medications. Um, so some kids may need higher doses of um, Prozac or Lexapro, mm. or some kids just are not responding well to Intuniv, for example. So mm. it tests for the most commonly used um, psychotropic medications. Okay. Um, and um, compares them to the genetic background. And the science, it's, um, it's not black and white. It's still fairly early. So I tell patients that I use it as a guide. Um, you know, it's, it's not, um, because what I found is that in a clinical practice, again, because everybody's so different and there's so many moving pieces, although the paper tells me, oh, this should be a good medication for this child, that the body has a different opinion. I was like, I'm yeah. still going to react to it because there are other things that are in play. So I always listen to, to the child in front of me mm -hmm. and not the test, but it's a guide. So it does help me when, when I start the medications. Yeah, I love that. Does it test for things like MTHFR and COMT? Yeah. Are those probably the two? Because those mm -hmm. play a role in anxiety but and depression. Yeah, right? maybe, yes. Um, yeah, these are some of the most common, commonly tested and the ones that are play a role. Okay. Um, and yeah. um, you know, what I tell patients in terms of the genetic testing is that when we test just for the MTHFR, we're only looking at one part of the engine, but the engine has so many parts. Mm -hmm. And then the engine is only one part of the car. Um, so it does help, but it's not the only answer. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's what I love about this journey of healing. It's, um, it's not black and white. I sometimes say it's biology is not math. So some things are simple, but some mm -hmm. things are more complex, but it's so rewarding to see when children are getting better when families are getting better, because when a child is getting better, the entire family is getting better. Absolutely. Yes. And going back to even what you were saying earlier, that it really does, it starts with the parents, you know, we've got to look at what are we doing for our anxiety and how are we handling our stress? Because that plays a huge role in what our kids pick up and not to, you know, you know, make parenting any harder than it already is. But I, I mean, man, I mean, just a little self-care goes a long way. I think that that's, that's important. And yes, we can make time for it. I, you know, people ask me, how do you have time to read? I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that's my therapy. That is my self-care. I make time. We make time for what's important to us, you know, whether it's family meal time or taking a family walk or playing games instead of being on screens or like, you know, all of these ideas that we've shared, we can make time for it. Um, it's, it's a change. It's a mindset change, but we can now, because I haven't asked you this question in a very long time, I've got to ask you if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? To manage your stress, to look at how their stress level affects their health and start building a life that it's less stressful. Yeah. And um, it may mean just small changes, like maybe sleeping a little bit more, taking a nap on weekends, but it may mean like 
bigger changes like you did you moved right <laughs> that you, is true <laughs> yeah. um, or, um just look at your just look at what you're doing every day and then if every day you're look, doing something that it's extremely stressful and it's starting to affect your health then take a, a big um inventory of um of your day and see what can you change to decrease your stress level yeah yeah just cross one thing off the list that's another mm -hmm. thing i've been thinking about a lot lately right like just you don't have to do it all today <laughs> it's we got we got lots going on oh too much so thank you so much and where can people follow you and find you and listen to more of your amazing tips um, my website, it's uh, wholechildtexas.com. And from the website, there are uh, links to my Instagram, my Facebook, my um, YouTube channel, and there's a link to my blogs. Great. Well, I'm so glad that we got to do this. And I know we've got a lot of fun collaborations coming up, but I just appreciate your perspective. It's so balanced in a time where I feel like everybody's picking a side for something, you know, you just have a very balanced perspective when it comes to health, which is a very confusing topic. So I appreciate it. I appreciate what you do. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erin. I'll talk to you later. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.